All right, so we are in a series right now called This Is Love. This is our, our Easter series because, hey, at the end of the day, Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, was the greatest display of love in all humanity. Actually, for, in 1 John, uh, well, we'll get there. So today, so last week we, we said that, that this love, it was, this, we said this love conquers death, and he did. And he, and he conquers the death that we experience. It raises people to new life. Today we're, today we're talking about love that forgives. Because that's what love does. Love forgives. This, this is love. And how awesome that next Sunday people will get to experience this kind of love. 1 John 3.16, it says it like this. It says, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Because this is love. This is how we know what love is. People want to know, don't they? Man, people want to know what love is. They want to experience love. Well, this is love. That Jesus came. He lived the perfect life you and I would never be able to achieve. And then he died a criminal's death that you and I deserve. In other words, he laid down his life for us. But then it comes with this, this second part that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So how do you know that your spouse, how does your spouse know you love them? You're willing to lay down your life for them. You're willing to serve them. How do your kids know that you love them? You, you serve them well. How do you know that you, your parents, how do, you, how do your parents know that you love them, kids? Well, we're all kids at some point, right? I'm, I feel like I'm still a kid. And how we, we serve, how we love, how we lay down our lives for one another. And love can be felt at the workplace, in the marketplace, in neighborhoods, when there's one person willing to come in like Jesus did, lowly and humbly on a donkey, and to serve and to love. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know. So a few things for, for today. One, um, I want you to know that we need God's forgiveness. Like, I don't know about you, but I know about you. <laughs> we need God's forgiveness. Because uh, Romans 3.10, is, this is what it says, is, as it is written, there is no one righteous I can't find one. Nobody is righteous. And sometimes the church gets a bad rap that we are a bunch of self-righteous people. Let me remind you, <laughs> there is no one righteous. I've never seen a one. Not a one. Romans 3.23, it says, for all, how many? The Greek word for all means all, everything, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed, we've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, which is why we need God's forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. And death is a word. 
the words sin and death are almost interchangeable throughout Scripture. And death is separation. When we pass from this life, our spirit will separate from our body. We will be separated from this world. Death is separation. And sin is death. And what does sin separate us from? Sin separates us from God. And so, so um, there used to be this great song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called The Great Divide. Uh, I sang it in youth choir back in the day. I was like 11 or 12. But there's this great divide between us and God. It's as if, it's as, it's as if you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Now, if you've been to the Grand Canyon, everybody I've ever talked to that's been to the Grand Canyon says, pictures just do not do it justice, just how deep and how wide that chasm is, that, that, that divide, that, that gully, that valley. Pictures don't do it justice. It is huge. It is deep. It's scary. <laughs> well, you and I, we're standing on one edge of this great divide separated from God. And what has caused this separation is our sin, our mistakes, our rebellion, our failures, our flaws. There's this great divide. But everybody wants to get to the other side. The problem is, unless you know how to get to the other side, we try to substitute being on the other side for trying to find something comparable on this side. But there's nothing comparable. There's this great divide. So our sin causes this divide where we're on one side and God's on the other and everybody's born with this longing inside of them to, to get to the other side. But there's no way. That's why Jesus... Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we're over here. God's over here, and we're, we're divided by our sin that causes death and separation. But Jesus came. He stood in the middle, and it was the cross of Christ that now bridges the gap so that us sinners can now again have access to the Father through the cross that builds a bridge in the gap. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his forgiveness that we so desperately need, now God doesn't see us for the sin that separates us. We're now clothed in the righteousness of God, and we have access again to the Father. He is the way. Jesus is the way. And whenever you see the cross, you just imagine the cross is what built a bridge that, that, that gives us access again to the Father. Because on one side, the wages of sin is death. It's separation. Sin separates us. So we need God's forgiveness. You know, uh, Jesus again says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to hear this whole statement because uh, I can understand how you could take this out of context, but, but please know that I am biblically accurate in saying this, um, that Jesus is not the only way. I know, I just said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, but he is not the only way. 
And actually, there are people in our world that think that all roads lead to heaven. Well, our God happens to be the God of the Bible. Well, someone else's God may be Allah. Someone else's. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying Jesus is the only way, but he's not the only way. There's another way. The other way to get to God, the other way to eternal life, is to live a perfect life. It's true. If you can live holy, flawlessly, from the day you were born to the day you die, you don't need Jesus. But this is what I came to realize. That Jesus is my only way. (laughs) And I'm willing to bet that Jesus is your only way too. We need, we need God's forgiveness. Because, yes, our sin separates us, causes death. But our sin offends God. Because God is holy. In other words, God is, he is completely separate. He's separate. He is holy. He is pure. There is nothing evil in him, nor can evil be a part of him. So when we want to be a part of this kingdom of God, we have to now, because we're imperfect, because we've failed, we have to be covered. And what we we say in church is, I've been covered in the blood of Jesus. Just like on Passover, when they painted the blood of the lamb over the door frames of every home and the death angel passed by, when we have been marked by the forgiveness of God, we can be fully accepted. So we need God's forgiveness. The second thing I want you to know is that God's forgiveness is always free. It's always free. Centuries ago, there was a particular movement of churches that uh, that you had to pay priests for forgiveness. That's baloney. God's forgiveness is free. You don't have to work for it because you could never deserve it. If, you, if we think that somehow we are going to convince God we are worthy of his forgiveness by what we do, you will be very tired because it cannot be done. God forgives you freely, not because you deserve it, but because he already sees you as worth it. In other words, every life has value. And we measure value by what somebody's willing to pay for it. I, I had an old junker car one time that somebody sold me for $1,000. And I was desperate for a second car. Uh, we were a one-car family for many years. And for this very short period of time, we were a two-car family. And I got this junker car for $1,000. It was a little five-speed Saturn. The, the lining on the roof was gone. And, uh, and then during my ownership, uh, it was a gold color car. And during my ownership, I ended up having a forest green hood because I was driving down the road on the fourth day I owned this car, you know, a little stick shift car, and the hood came up while I was driving down an Indiana country road. 
the hood comes up, smashes the windshield, and and now I'm you know I'm looking through the bottom of the, and and so I ended up uh, I was really close to our church at the time, and I was I was on staff there part time, so I backed up all the way to the church. I went to the church closet and got the church toolbox, and I I unbolted that hood off of the car and just threw it in the church dumpster. Because it was bent like this, and it was, it was bad. And, and so this was my $1,000 car that Jenny told me to never buy. And, uh, and I will never say she was right, because she's not here to defend herself right now. And, uh, and <laughs> when it came time for me to, I was like, okay, I'm done with this car. It had other issues. I'm like, I'm going to sell it. Jenny's like, well, maybe you can sell it for $1,000. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, she said, well, what's it worth? I said, it's worth whatever somebody will pay for it. And so it ended up being worth $200. $200. And, uh, and that's really what, how we determine value, is what somebody is willing to pay for something. Um, as many of you know, I, I play a little golf. Tiger Woods, come on, he's playing this weekend. Uh, recently, um, Tiger Woods irons that he used to uh, win his career grand slam with many years ago, they went up for auction. Now, they went up for auction years ago. They sold for, get this, $50,000. They're on auction right now, and the last I checked, the bidding is over half a million dollars. Insane. For Tiger Woods golf clubs. I don't think they're worth that much. Um, but their value is connected to what somebody's willing to to pay for it. So let me, let me remind you on the days that you feel like you lack value, when the days that you feel less than, not good enough, you'll never measure up, on the days that you are constantly reminded of your life failures, the mistakes you've made, and on the days you think you're defined by those failures, let me remind you of your value. You are worth what somebody was willing to pay for. You see, there is something far more valuable than money. Because if if somebody were to offer me a million dollars to cut off my left arm, I actually would deny that offer. I would rather have my left arm, you see. And maybe some of you are like, I'll take that deal. <laughs> uh, but you know what? A million dollars is here today, gone tomorrow. But you'll never get your arm back again. Um, so there, there are things that are far more valuable than money. For instance, what if somebody offered you not a million dollars, but a billion dollars but you have to die well I'll just give the money to my family it's non-transferable I'll give you a billion dollars to die you don't do the deal why because your life is more valuable than money because if you're not living to enjoy that I'd rather live (laughs) what if somebody didn't offer you a billion dollars They offered you all the riches in the entire world, but you have to die. You wouldn't do that deal. Because to die, 
You can't take it with you. It's non-transferable. You would live. So in other words, what, you're, what we're saying then is that the thing that is more valuable than money is a life. Is a life. So when God displayed for you your true value, when God chose to illustrate for all of humanity his love, he gave the most expensive thing he could. He bankrupt heaven and he gave his son. And the death of Jesus was for one thing. So God could have you. So the separation, the gap between us and God could be bridged by the death of his son Jesus. Because Jesus lived the perfect life you and I never could. He was the perfect sacrifice in order to cover sin. And so on those days that you, re- that you feel less than, on those days that you are feeling defined by your problems, I want you to remember, you are more valuable than what work pays you. You are more valuable than, than, than the, the ways you're mistreated. You are more valuable than what you consider to be your flaws. You were so valuable that the God of all creation saw you worth it enough to give the most expensive thing he had, his own son, and that Jesus would lay down his life, spill his blood for you. It is the most expensive, the most valuable thing that we could ever, ever, ever give. And that is what God chose to illustrate his love for you and to illustrate your value to him. So remember that. And so you can never earn something like that. That was God's choice, God's act of love, which is why forgiveness is always free. Forgiveness is free. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. We humbly come before God, and he'll forgive us. You know, something I tell my boys is that you can never, ever do anything that will make me stop loving you, ever. I will always forgive you. But blessing, blessing follows obedience. And this is all throughout Scripture. Yes, God forgives you for free. Well, then why are my circumstances not changing? Follow the Lord in obedience, and it will change. God's forgiveness is always free. Look at what the Scripture says. We read the first part of this. Now let me give you the second part. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember that? We just read it. But watch the rest. The next verse says, and are justified, say it out loud, freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So yeah, we've all messed up, all of us. But we are justified. We are declared not guilty in a court of law freely. His forgiveness is free. Also, we we read this, for the wages of sin is death, but the latter part of the verse is this, But the gift of God, the gift 
The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If someone gives you a gift and an invoice, it's not a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life. It is free. God's forgiveness is free. And his forgiveness sets us free. So we need God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is always free. And the third thing I want you to know is that it's our choice to accept God's forgiveness. It's our choice. In other words, the forgiveness of God that brings complete liberty and freedom and new life, it is available to every single person. Think of the worst person that you can imagine in our world today. It's even available to them. But they must choose it. You must choose it. And it all usually starts with what we first said. It starts with recognizing we need it. That we need his forgiveness. In other words, recognizing that we are sick with the cancer called sin. And we need a remedy. And the remedy is the forgiveness of God. It's our choice to accept God's forgiveness. Because 1 John 1.9, it says, If, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If. If we confess. Sometimes confession means laying down your pride. Admitting that you need help admitting you made a mistake. And if you're willing to humbly come before God, not, whatever God, I'll take it. It's free. I like free stuff, so I'll take it. No, 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 no. No, no. If you're willing to confess, in other words, come humbly. God, I recognize my need for forgiveness Oh, and I see how my sin has grieved your heart. Like a child, when a parent gets a bad report from the teacher that the child has been misbehaving at school and it grieves that parent's heart. My little Johnny, never. And that teacher says, Oh, I know a different Johnny. (laughs) And it grieves the parent's heart to hear that their children have, like, possibly have made a mistake. And, and when we come to God, we're like, oh, I recognize how it has grieved your heart, God, my sin and rebellion. Will you forgive me? I confess it. Then he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the unrighteousness, the sin that caused the separation. You see, it's available to everybody, but it is our choice to accept it. It's our choice. And my prayer is that this Easter season that somebody makes that choice. 
that somebody recognizes that it's been available to them all along. That maybe somebody recognizes that that someone wronged them to tell them that they weren't good enough for God. Weren't good enough for church. Are you kidding me? Listen, we all got in by grace. You know what some religious folks do? Some religious folks got in by grace but want you to get in by works. Oh, far be it from us to forget the, the height from which we had fallen. Far be it from us to never have, to, to lose our compassion for people to find themselves in that place that we were found when God found us. So it's our choice to accept God's forgiveness. The fourth thing, which is just so, so important, is that God's forgiveness is reciprocal. We cannot miss this. In other words, Scripture says, freely you received, so freely we give. There's a story in Scripture where there was a man who owed his master a large sum of money. Scripture defines how big this sum of money was by basically saying that if he worked multiple lifetimes, he would never repay the debt. So the master came to settle accounts. And this man begged him for more time. Begged him on behalf of his family. And the master had mercy on this man. Mercy on him. And he didn't just extend his loan He forgave the whole thing. I can only imagine those in the room that day going, that's a lot of money. And you're just letting them off the hook for nothing. Completely undeserved. And that man leaves that meeting and he finds a man that owes him chum change says hey pay up punk he grabs him by the throat you will pay me or I'll have you thrown in jail over chum change this guy just came from and then one of the greatest forgiveness of financial debt that many had ever heard of at the time and now he's got a guy by the throat saying, you will pay me. Well, the master found out about this. And the master says, whoa, come back here. How much did I just forgive of your debt? Oh, yeah, a lot. And you're at this guy's throat for chum change? You're going to pay back every dollar you owed me, and you'll be in prison while you do it. So how long is he in prison forever. You see, this is an illustration that Jesus is trying to get across to us the importance of forgiveness. That if we, who have been forgiven an enormous amount of debt, our sin, and we can't forgive our neighbor, our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, our friend, 
whoa. Before you say, I will not forgive, you remember how much you have been forgiven. So God's forgiveness is reciprocal in that forgiven people forgive people. Colossians 3.13, this is what it says. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's what's important. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And how did God forgive you? Freely. How many times have maybe you been guilty of this as well? Uh, I'll forgive them if. I'll forgive them when. Dot, dot, dot. I'll forgive them if they change. I'll forgive them if they apologize. I'll forgive them when they're different. I'll forgive them when they pay me back. I'll forgive them with conditions. This is not how God forgave you, me. He forgave freely. And how about you? But when I recognize that God wiped my slate clean and forgave me like that, it transformed me. It changed my life to be free, not just of the sin, but the guilt that sin caused and its shame. It'll change your life. And now it is equally as important to forgive one another how God forgave you. And this is very difficult because sometimes hurts and pain can run deep. And I remember the time that I had to work through a series of forgiveness with my own father and things that I didn't realize had cut me deep but I'm but I could forgive because I know what being forgiven is I know what I've been forgiven of so far be it from us to harbor forgiveness for ourselves but from God and never to reciprocate it to the world around us We forgive. Why? Because that's what love does. And this is love. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Will you stand with me this morning? We need God's forgiveness. Maybe someone is here this morning and you would say, Pastor Devin, that's me. I need the forgiveness of God. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us, make us anew. I want you to know today that you may, you may be standing here today 
like many other people have in my 15 years of ministry. There's people standing in church on Sundays, hung over from the night before. But listen, he'll take you right here, right now, in the state that you're in. Maybe you've come off of a week of slipping into bad habits. He'll take you right now. You don't have to work for it. It's free. And it's available to you. If you would just choose to accept it, his forgiveness, he'll set you free. He'll put you on a road to recovery. Maybe you're here today and you recognize, oh man, God has forgiven me of so much, but I'm holding the most petty grievances against somebody else. I need to deal with that. So here in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to sing one last song, but, but would, you, would you take that moment, just you and just God, to maybe deal with unforgiveness in your heart, a grievance you hold against somebody else, and it might be decades old. It might be 10 minutes old. But also for you to, for someone here today, to have a moment with God and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need freedom. So with every head bowed this morning, every eye closed, I just wonder who's here today and you recognize that you are in need of God's forgiveness. And today, you don't want to punish yourself any longer for the mistakes you've made. You're willing to let God take care of it. It was the punishment of Christ that brings peace. So you don't need to bear and punish yourself because you failed and messed up. Jesus already took the punishment so that you could have mercy today. So if that's you today, you say, I need God's forgiveness. Would you just just lift your hand ever so slightly so I can see who I'm praying for today? You are in need of God's forgiveness. I see hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If we confess, he is faithful and just. Thank you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Thank you. He is faithful. He is a good judge. A good judge that declares you free today. Father, I pray for everybody here today. Lord, I pray for maybe somebody here that has never made the decision to make you their Lord and their Savior. What a better day than on this Palm Sunday to say from this day forward, I recognize my need for salvation. I recognize um, that I need to change and that it's for free. And today I'm going to accept the forgiveness of God in my life. And so if you would, in your own way, just in your own heart, would you just pray however you know how to pray and just say, God, I need your forgiveness. I confess to you that I've messed up. I need you. Would you come into my life and make me anew? We're going to sing this last song, and as we do, there's grievances in your own life and your own heart. I pray that God would make you aware of those, and you can move forward in forgiveness this morning. In Jesus' name. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you guys next time.